0: Advancing monetary policy technology is just one rapidly developing threat to the fiat US dollar's dominance in the decades to come. Before we examine a few others, the central banks of central banks, Bank of International Settlements, or the BIS, made headlines this week, pouncing on even worse store of value weakness that deteriorating crypto markets have been exhibiting versus their rapidly debasing fiat currencies issued.
1: Well, we certainly need to address the financial stability and uh, investor protection issues. But as we say in the chapter, you know, there are deeper structural issues. For example, the role of stable coins, which are very central in, the, in this ecosystem. So it tells us that you know, the, the whole system is in search of a nominal anchor. So if central bank money didn't exist, it would need to be invented as it were. The more serious problem is the fragmentation of the crypto universe, which means that crypto cannot serve the purpose of money in the sense that it doesn't uh, you know, recreate this virtuous circle from greater acceptance to, to greater use.
0: In this year's BIS Annual Economic Report 2022, they highlight their rapidly advancing vision for the future monetary system utilizing Central Bank Digital Currency, or CBDC. And while most of the report focuses on retail CBDC, what is of most importance is what they call wholesale CBDC, coming technology which will further allow nations to trade and settle balance of payments directly, likely slowing future fiat US dollar demand between sovereign payment settlements. It's long been a held belief by many vocal cryptocurrency critics that the technology was set up for coming failures in order to lend more credence to central banks as monetary custodians as they simultaneously hijack some of the best underlying cryptocurrency technology for further monetary control using their CBDC systems. The BIS of course highlighted the recent failures of Terra and Luna coins in early May 2022 in their report They also illustrate one of the key supposed stablecoins called Tether, the third largest cryptocurrency only behind Bitcoin and Ethereum in notional market cap, has recently broken its supposed one-to-one peg, as concerns about it having the underlying good collateral to support its business model under serious stressful outflow levels and redemptions remains dubious. Basically, the BIS is warning anyone who's paying attention. If this is indeed crypto winner, and Tether's near $67 billion market cap ends up collapsing as well, expect colder days for crypto bulls to come. We see it as the
1: fusion of new capabilities uh, around the core of the trust provided by central bank money itself. In the chapter, we use the metaphor of a tree where... the range of services provided by banks and other intermediaries are supported by the solid trunk of a tree which represents the central bank itself and in this sense the services you know which come from the tree are rooted uh, in a figurative sense in the ultimate settlement on the central bank balance sheet
0: while there are over a hundred national fiat cbdc systems in progress with central banks at some stages of development or already out Surveys illustrate that likely over 60% of nations do not yet have legal authority to issue retail central bank digital currencies. Of course, to play devil's advocate here, those who have control over a nation's monetary system, they don't really care who supposedly makes the local laws. While new
1: capabilities are things like uh, decentralization, uh, smart contracts and composability, you know which are the functions that are known in crypto, but what we show is that all of this can be built around the core of uh, you know central bank money, so that we have the best of uh, both the conventional system, you know, and the new capabilities.
0: Of course, what the BIS did not mention in all their recent CBDC pumping is that the fiat monetary based supplies of global central banks have ramped in unprecedented size since August 2019 Go Direct Agreement was made in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. If confidence in fiat CBDC is actually going to last, it might help if their fiat currency units actually stored value well and predictably so, instead of all seemingly simultaneously devaluing with inflation rates not seen since the last time gold price mania ramped in early 1980. Of course, This all is a major reason why central banks have increasingly owned and added to their official gold bullion reserves since the 2008 global financial crisis exhibited that this current financial system has structural failings afoot. Central banks collectively now own more than one in five ounces of gold ever mined, for they know eventually when fiat currency confidence fails again, it's gold that they'll have to use in some form or fashion to help restore confidence in their failed reputations. In other long-term undermining fiat US dollar news, the BRICS summit held in China this past week made headlines when Russia revealed Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and potentially other joining nations are working on alternative reserve currency baskets and payment settlement systems outside of the US dominant Swiss system.
1: партнерами по partners ведется надежных alternative механизмов международных расчетов. Российская система передачи финансовых сообщений открыта для подключения банков стран Пятёрки. Идёт расширение географии использования российской платёжной системы Мир. Прорабатываются вопросы о создании международной резервной валюты на основе корзины валют наших стран.
0: At the moment global payment settlements are dominated by the fiat US dollar and fiat euro, but the combination of a more multipolar east trading block emerging and incoming wholesale fiat CBDC payment settlements direct, they're likely to change currency settlement market shares in time. Of course, in 2017, incrementums in Gold We Trust report astutely pointed out the following three points to consider moving ahead. The dominant currency is always issued by the economically dominant country of an era. Gold has always played a decisive role when the changeover from one global currency to another took place one can roughly speak of a revaluation of real assets against financial assets during these changeovers. Dominant reserve currency status does not last forever. At some point, they all have to leave the stage. Will this hold for the almighty U.S. dollar as well? Hello there, on behalf of SDBullion.com, this is James Anderson with a quick SDBullion market update. Before we go further, please smash the like button so other sound money stackers can also see this content. And be sure to subscribe to our SD Bullion channel so you can get our latest market coverages and also a chance at winning incredible bullion giveaways like this one.
1: Get ready for SD Bullion's Monster Box sweepstakes that includes 500 Silver Eagles. You could be the next lucky recipient of a phone call like this. This is Dr. Tyler Wall, CEO of SD Bullion. Well, I'm calling you to let you know that you won the SD Bullion giveaway of a Munster box at the Silver Eagles.
0: So click the link below for your chance to win. Click the link below to enter our new 500-ounce American Silver Eagle Coin Type 2 giveaway contest. And good luck to all of you who take part. The silver and gold markets continue trading in summer doldrum-like fashion this past week. The spot gold price finished around 18.30 an ounce ask, and the spot silver price closed the week just barely above 21 an ounce spot, and also having briefly dipped into the high 20s this morning. The gold-silver ratio finished the week at 86, but it also spiked up near 88 this morning. Technically, when looking at the charts, the spot silver market looks like it's on the cusp to break further down in the weeks to come. The gold-silver ratio also looks like it might climb into the 90s as a result if that occurs. In retail physical gold bullion market news, while the U.S. Mint has been enjoying record-sized sales in Notional Gold Eagle and Gold Buffalo coins since 2021 and thus far in 2022, news is that large distributors of the U.S. Mint gold coins were given underwhelming gold bullion coin allocation or supply forecast for the remainder of 2022. A combination of gold spot price weakness before the eventual Fiat Federal Reserve pivot, perhaps later this year, diminished retail gold bullion product supply with ongoing robust gold bullion demand is a setup for higher premiums on all gold bullion products for the remainder of the year 2022. In other words, current price premiums on gold bullion products are probably as slim as we will see them for the remainder of this year. The spot platinum price is also looking weak, technically speaking, currently priced below half of gold's current value and still hovering around a 120-year record discount low value versus gold over the last few years, the World Platinum Investment Council this month, June 2022, published forecasts of upcoming supply deficits for the global platinum industry in the years coming. Decreasing platinum mine supply, increasing automotive demand, thrifting more expensive palladium with platinum to come, and robust Chinese platinum buying are some of the key drivers for coming platinum supply deficits forecasted. Now, I'll leave a link to their platinum forecast report in the show notes below for those who are looking at platinum for longer term store value bullion buying. But as I've shown you here before, the NYMEX platinum warehouse raid that began about one year ago, mostly driven by Chinese traders taking physical delivery, withdrawing platinum bullion from that fractional reserve price discovery futures market. It's more than halved in the last year. And if this trend continues, It's not gonna be much longer from now when NYMEX Platinum warehouses begin looking as barren as NYMEX Palladium warehouses currently do. Turning back to the monetary precious metals to close this week's update, it was just under two years ago on this SD Bullion channel that we went through a thesis building a case for the coming gold silver bullion short squeeze almighty, still building. While we await, the Fiat Federal Reserve's continued bluffing that it's serious about crushing this secular inflationary regime that their very own currency supply-expanding go-direct policies kicked off in August 2019 ongoing. Large hedge fund investors are increasingly making the case for front-running the gold bullion bull getting let loose on the eventual pivot, where the Fiat Fed chooses to monetize record-sized U.S. Treasury deficits instead of fully fighting inflation. David Einhorn of Greenlight Capital made an elegant presentation earlier this month, making his case for why they are going into gold now and not later. I'll leave a full presentation link in the show notes below, but we're going to highlight a few minutes of his presentation right here, right now.
2: This is my Grandpa Ben and me. This may look like a one-year-old birthday party, but I have it on good family authority that this was actually my first gold talk. Grandpa Ben was a big gold bug. He believed that replacing the gold standard with fiat money would end with a terrible inflation. My question was, when would this happen? Grandpa Ben's answer was, eventually. After I began managing money, Grandpa Ben continued to prod me. Here we are at the American Economic Institute, which Grandpa Ben supported, where I went for another weekend of indoctrination about gold. And yet, we owned no gold eventually is not a good time horizon for a hedge fund. However, my thought today is that eventually is now, or at least it is soon enough that gold is a buy. It's no secret that the US has had a deteriorating fiscal situation for some time. Pete Peterson wrote a whole book about our demographic and fiscal situation in 1993. Back then, our long-term problems were visible, but long-term. The rubber would meet the road when the baby boomers retired. Then COVID came and any remaining fiscal discipline went out the proverbial window. Some people called our spending modern monetary theory. Others just called it helicopter money. In any case, the Treasury borrowed and the Fed supported the purchases. Some would call that money, money printing. In sum, the total of this is that the U.S. debt to GDP has exploded. When Paul Volcker raised interest rates to 19% in 1981, the U.S. debt to GDP was just 30%. Heading into the global financial crisis, it was about 60%. Today, it is twice that. And much of this new national debt has been purchased by the Fed and sits on its balance sheet. The Fed currently owns over 19% of all outstanding Treasury securities. The $3.3 trillion increase in Treasuries on the Fed balance sheet fully funded the entire deficit and then some. Meanwhile, the U.S. demographic situation is getting more precarious by the day, literally. Every day in the U.S., 10,000 people turn 65, and the Social Security trust funds are projected to be used up in just 12 years. Already the trust funds have become sellers of treasuries. The Congressional Budget Office projects a 2022 deficit of over a trillion dollars. Demographics will cause this to more than double in a decade, and these projections don't assume a recession rapidly rising inflation index benefits, such as Social Security, or high interest rates on the national debt. As everyone knows, we have an inflation problem. I don't have time to discuss all the reasons. It isn't entirely the fault of fiscal and monetary policies. However, those policies are inflationary and a facilitated environment where inflation could take off. The ESG moment has thwarted investment in traditional sources of energy, combined with investor eagerness to throw nearly all growth capital at software is eating the world companies, has driven up the cost of equity for companies that ensure the world can, in fact, eat. Our supply problems aren't limited to a short-term inability to get goods from China, but extend to a decade of structural underinvestment and capacity in the so-called old economy. For years, there was no real interest in investing in cement, steel, concrete, fertilizer, chemicals, paper, mining, traditional energy, and housing. Higher prices aren't fueling new capacity, instead they're fueling buybacks, as investors and managements don't want to underwrite permanently higher prices or margins. Very low P.E. multiples in these affected industries don't inspire long-term capital commitments. Normally, high prices generate a supply reaction. Since this isn't happening, all the work to curtail inflation will have to come from the demand side. As a result, prices will have to go much higher to dissuade substantial consumption. As such inflation is likely to be much more persistent. Current official inflation is now 8.5%, the highest since December 1981. Everywhere you look, prices are going up, and the worst part is that despite how shocking it is, the surge of inflation is actually understated. Everyone understands that inflation is even worse than the official reports. Since 1980, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has changed the way it calculates inflation. They've added hedonic adjustments for quality improvements, Worky substitution changes, and importantly, suppressing rising home prices from the calculation. Larry Summers just published a paper showing that had the methodology not changed just on housing, inflation today would rival the peak from 1980. Finally, in March of 2022, with inflation at 8.5%, the Fed raised interest rates by 25 basis points. It is Monetary Policy 101 that to defeat inflation, you need positive real interest rates. In 1980, Volcker raised rates to 19% to combat 14% inflation. Greenspan raised rates in 1990 to 8.5% to fight 6% inflation. Even Burns raised federal funds to 13% in 1974 to fight 11.5% inflation, but retreated too quickly to get the job done. Today, we have real interest rates at the most negative level in the last 70 years. The idea that tightening a percent or two from here will beat inflation is hardly credible. However, the Fed is limited in raising rates. Powell faces a problem that Volcker didn't have. We have 24 trillion of debt held by the public, which is up over six times in the last 20 years. Approximately 7 trillion has to be rolled in the next year. Every 1% increase in the rates adds 70 billion to the deficit. So raising rates to 4% would add 280 billion, 8% would be 560 billion, and a full Volcker, 19%, would be 1.3 trillion. And that's just the first year. And that doesn't even take into account the impact of a slowdown that is likely to follow peak employment. An average recession could easily add another $700 billion to a trillion four to the deficit. So while the Fed can raise rates, it isn't clear it can raise them enough to get the job done. As for running off the balance sheet, this may also be limited. Last year, the Fed essentially bought all the excess supply offered by the Treasury. This year, the Treasury will borrow, and the Fed plans to run off its balance sheet, adding more supply. But now there's another factor to consider. If it wasn't clear prior to February 24th that a new world order is imminent, it's blindingly clear now with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. For decades, countries feared a day when the U.S. would weaponize the dollar, and that day has come. In order for an asset to be a reserve asset, it has to be a safe asset, which means that it has to be available when you need it. Would we consider freezing Russian central bank reserves as sanctions, Russia sees it as our default. The Chinese press has noticed and warns the backlash has consequences, and these actions will be clear for all to see over a period of time. Suddenly, in the wake of Russia's reserves being frozen, China, India, and Saudi Arabia could perceive that those hundreds of billions of dollars of reserves could be condemned to to a similar fate. The Chinese are wondering what to do with their $1.1 trillion of U.S. government debt. In other words, the current deficit, combined with the Fed's quantitative tightening plans, combined with the possible selling and runoff of U.S. Treasuries by foreign central banks, who are worried their reserves could be frozen, could create a supply-demand imbalance in the Treasury market. This would lead to much higher rates and frustrate the Fed's ability to run off its balance sheet. Putin thought the U.S. might act against him and began selling Russian treasuries after it illegally annexed Crimea in 2014. Since then, Russia's gold holdings have tripled to 22% of total reserves. When countries don't trust each other over bonds and currencies, gold becomes the ultimate reserve asset. And I say gold rather than crypto because gold is already recognized as a globally acceptable central bank reserve asset. Gold as a percentage of total reserves remains staggeringly low is at 8%, Saudi Arabia and China are at 4%. The question is whether there's enough gold to back the currency reserves. The answer is for the price of gold to go higher, perhaps much higher. When Powell was asked if he would do whatever it takes to fight inflation, he deflected by saying, I hope that history will record that the answer to your question is yes. I interpret this to mean that he will do whatever he can and hopes that it will be enough. So Let me conclude with this. The Fed is bluffing. Powell says he has strong tools, but the world has changed. From 1980 to 2020, we had structural deflation. Now we have structural inflation. In a deflationary environment, the Fed raising rates causes a slowdown. Here, inflation is the cause of the slowdown. The Fed raising rates might perversely increase the inflation by having a bigger impact and thwarting supply than on demand. Meanwhile, Higher rates mean more interest income for savers, which could trigger even more demand. And of course, this responsibility is being placed squarely on the Fed. Policymakers are not even discussing fiscal austerity to combat inflation. To me, this means inflation ain't going away so fast. When the Fed has to choose between fighting the inflation and supporting the Treasury, I think it has to pick the Treasury. Some are criticizing the Fed for tightening into a downturn. Just wait until they're forced to loosen into an inflationary spike to support the treasury. At that point, it's best to have some gold. That's what Grandpa Ben taught me.
0: So there we have a famous hedge fund manager making the base case for gold bullion as the Fiat Federal Reserve and US Treasury have basically painted themselves into a coming gold bullion mania corner. David is early and many more big money investors are soon going to be coming to the same conclusion as well. That's all for this week's SD Bullion Market Update. As always, to you out there, take great care of yourselves and those you love. If you enjoyed this content, be sure to give our video a thumbs up. Keep getting bullion-related news and industry insights. Be sure to subscribe to our channel. And finally, hit that alert button so you know when we publish fresh content.